Well, about 20 years ago, I found myself at Calvary Chapel, Longhook, where I accepted the Lord, and my pastor, Pastor Mark Galvin, led me through a lot of ups and downs, and then about in 2014, they laid hands on Megan and I as we traveled to South Carolina to start the church here, and ever since then, if you've been with us for the last few years, once a year he comes out, make sure I haven't started preaching heresy or anything, taking uh, tabs on all of us. And just seeing what the Lord is doing on both coasts. So let's give Pastor Mark, my pastor, a warm welcome this morning as he leads us in the teaching of his word. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. I've been enjoying the weather. Usually we're here in November, so the weather's uh, fairly similar. Uh, we have been here in August. Uh, that was actually the last time we were here. Quite a bit different. And, but uh, yesterday was a well, last couple of days of fishing out at Zach's Lake, catching some bass and having a great time. And then also uh, yesterday, got my wife out at the women's retreat. And uh, I love to surf um, from California, obviously. But went out there at Hilton Head and was able to jog down to the beach. And I wish I had my board, man. The waves were about four foot. And nobody's out. And uh, except for one guy body surfing a couple hundred yards away. But I was able to go out there and body surf and had a great time. And the water in California is about 62. So the water here is like high 70s and it's like a bathtub. But just glorious weather, glorious time. And John the Apostle and Third John said, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. And so, you know, I'm very proud of, of Mike and, you know, I consider him my son in the faith, and my kids, spiritually speaking, and his family. Just such a blessing to see what God's doing and how the Lord's moving in his life and his faithfulness to the Lord, his faithfulness to you guys. And, you know, you, the, the Bible teaching pastors are hard to come by, and especially verse by verse, Genesis to Revelation. So you guys are greatly blessed, and so is he. He's greatly blessed uh, with having you as his congregation. But... This morning we're going to be in two verses, or I should say two portions of scripture. Why don't you turn with me, first of all, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll look at one verse in Hebrews, the seventh verse. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we look to you this morning, and as your people... As your church, God, we pray for your people. We pray for the nation of Israel, Lord. We intercede for her right now. We ask for your mercy and grace. Lord, have your hand upon their prime minister, Netanyahu, and those who are in leadership. We thank you, God, uh, just for your hand being upon uh, your people. And, Lord, we're your people. And uh, you've called us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we do that, especially this morning, Lord. We ask for your divine intervention. And, Father, as we sit at your feet this morning, we want to experience you, Lord. We want to know more about you, grow in our faith, in our understanding of your word, and that which you would have for us, Lord, as your church collectively and individually, as your people, as your flock, as your body. Ask for your blessings, Lord. I pray you'd speak to each one of us by the power of your spirit and through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. 
By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Anybody know what that is? Rain, obviously, right? Noah was warned. It was going to rain. But to that point, it had never rained. As far as man being on this planet, they had never seen. No man had ever seen rain before. So, Noah was a man of faith. He's here in the hall of faith. Hebrews 11. And Noah was an end times believer. He was a last days believer. It was the last days before the flood. It was the last days. It was the end times before the destruction of this planet. That was the first judgment. You and I this morning as believers are also last days believers. We're end times believers. Hopefully not latter day saints. Big difference. That's a goal. We are in the last days just like Noah was but we're waiting for the rapture as God's people. We're looking up for our identity. You know as the Bible tells well, Jesus declared Look up. When you see these things begin to come to pass, look up for your redemption draws nigh. You look at the Middle East. You look at our country, especially you know, our educational system. And all that's taking place. Wow, we are definitely in the last days. So we have a lot in common with Noah. And remember, there in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, Jesus said, as it was... In the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of Man. And we're living in those last days before his return, before the return of Christ. And for you and I, last days, the world, once we're raptured, the world's going to be here. The non-believer is going to be here. And they're going to have an experience, really, hell on earth for seven years as God... God's wrath is poured out upon this planet during the tribulation period. Now, because Noah lived in the last days, and because we're living in the now, you know, you think of this symbol, there are many similarities. We don't have time to get into that this morning, but a few of them we will. But Noah had faith to live in the last days. And Noah, for you and I, becomes a great template a great example for us to follow. You and I are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Noah did that. He was warned by God. He didn't have any anything to go by as far as anything he could see with his own two eyes, but by faith. And so that we might faithfully and effectively serve God in these last days. We're going to look at Noah's faith. And the first thing I want to point out it's actually, you know, let's, let's go ahead and turn there. It's in, uh, we're going to be, for the rest of the time, together, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. What we see with this great man of faith, Noah, that he had faith to walk with God. Now that's in Genesis 6 9. It tells us that Noah walked with God. You know, that's not, not such a big deal. You know, uh, there's a, a bunch of us this morning that walk with God. I know a lot of people that walk with God. 
The difference is, on this planet, no matter where you go, you know, Mike was just over there in South America, and I saw pictures, there's <laughs> believers down there, there's a lot of believers down there. Everywhere you go on this planet, you're going to be able to find believers, Christians. Completely different for Noah. There was not one believer on planet Earth. So he's walking by faith when no one else would. God has called you and me to walk by faith in, in, in a world, and that's not popular. But God, you see, he's giving you an example. Here's a guy, nobody to fellowship with, except for his family. He came to faith. But nobody else. Completely different for Noah. So he was walking by faith when, man, there was nobody to relate to. The only believer on the planet. And at that time, it is believed that there were approximately 4 billion people on planet Earth. Some say there was a lot more. Could have been. We just don't know. But conservatively, you know, four, you think of one man against 4 billion. No matter where he goes, it's just, it's just a constant barrage, ridicule. And intense peer pressure. Billions. <laughs> Think about what it would have been like for Noah. Here he is on his front lawn. He's got an ark he's been building for over 100 years. Some say 100, 120 years approximately. But he's been building that thing for a long time. And, you know, that, that is quite an eyesore to have in your neighborhood. Think of what his next door neighbors are saying. Think of the HOA. <laughs> hey, look, this is not in compliance with our bylaws, Noah. You're, you're, you're going to have to change things here. And I can imagine people coming to him and saying, Noah, you know what, I got, I got some people. I, I want my friends to hear this story that you concocted about water coming down from heaven. You know, Noah, you're kind of, you know, chicken little status here. You know, the sky is falling. But tell us that story. Do you still believe that? That water, it would, you know, never happened before. So for him to say, yeah, water's going to come down, and this this gigantic boat, it's going to go up. It's going to float. It's going to float on what you just said. Noah, seriously, are you, are you kidding me? Well, we see that Noah... Not only did he walk by faith, but Noah also had the faith to witness. He was a powerful witness in those last days. It was really him against the world, right? So what a platform he's got. And he's got, look, this giant visual aid, the ark. And I can imagine that attracted people from all over the place. I really want to go to the ark encounter and see pictures of it, but... We can imagine that, that there's some people, you know, depending on the size of a cubit, you know, 300 cubits could be 450 feet, but it could be it could be twice that big. You know, some believe that it was as far as the ruling class that the giants they were going off a gigantic cubit, so it could be a lot bigger. But nonetheless, 450 feet is uh, definitely big enough. But Noah was a preacher. We know that he was a great witness. The Bible tells us. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, for you note takers, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He had a message. 
And his message was one of judgment. Hey, you guys, rain's coming. God's going to judge this place. And it's interesting because Noah, he had a seven-day notice to the very end where God told him, look, it's gonna, I'm, the, the, the rain's going to come down in one week. So all the world, they could have watched all those animals. get. What an amazing thing. If you're just a non-believer and you're watching these animals two by two, you're going, man, this is just wild. You'd think they'd get a clue. Uh, God's doing something here. This is very unusual. Like, it's not just salmon, migratory salmon just going upstream. This is the entire, you know, the, as far as the animal kingdom. you got gorillas, giraffes, elephants, you know, chipmunks, the whole thing. But, you know, he's, he, this is what's taking place. And uh, Noah witnesses to them. They, they just won't. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. So that's not a popular message. So if nobody at work, nobody in your family is listening to you, don't worry about it. Noah had the same problem. Nobody accepts the Lord, knows the faith, except for his family. Now, other side of the coin, you got Jonah. Jonah, he doesn't want anybody to come to the Lord. He doesn't even want to witness. He doesn't want to share. And he shares in the whole city. The whole kingdom, all of the king and every bull, they all come to faith. And he's upset, and he's wringing his hands. Lord, I knew this was going to happen. So here's the, you know, God always gets the glory, doesn't he? Here's a guy, he doesn't want anybody repenting. Everybody repents. Here's Noah, he wants everybody, nobody repents except for his family. Look, they both get, they both get, God gets the glory. But they both get credit for preaching, for being faithful, to preach that message. I know that Noah was a great preacher and a great witness because his whole family was saved. I don't care, you know, I do care, but regardless of the fact that the rest of the world destroyed, condemned, the hardest people to witness to are the people in your family. Your non-believing husband, your non-believing wife, your 16-year-old teenager. Yeah, those are the hardest people. Not only that, but people, maybe your siblings or your parents when you come to the Lord, look, it's very difficult to witness to them because they remember when you went through the terrible twos. They remember what you did when you were 16, the things you said, the way you lived. So it's very difficult to witness to those people. If you can, if you can be a witness in your family, if you have a testimony in your family, but you know what? Yeah, I see, I see the change, even though in his past, uh, you know, sketchy. But now there's a change, man. This person is totally, they, they're a new creation, man. They're different. That's where it's at. You know, and you, you can witness your family, be an example there. You can be an example, you can witness anywhere. And something else I wanted to point out is this, with, especially with witnessing, sharing with your kids, telling your kids, your grandkids about the Lord. And, you know, we can't make our kids believe, but we can make a way for them to believe, just as Noah did. He made a way for them to believe. He, his work, his, his whole life was geared around serving God. And you could see, you might, you know, Dad, he needs business here, man. That's a big project. And they joined in and, you know, to the saving of his house. That could mean not, not only the saving of his house as far as physically, because they were in the ark, they floated, they're preserved, but it also could, I believe it also includes their spiritual salvation. Now, we also see, talking about the ark, uh, that Noah had faith to work. Noah had faith to work. 
That's a long build. You know, over 100 years building the ark. He prepared the ark. And that's before Home Depot, before power tools, pneumatic tools. And that's a lot of sawing. That's a lot of, that's a lot of building. That's a lot of, uh, you know, that's a lot of doing. But Noah, he was faithful. He was that faithful witness. And you think of that, that ark in and of itself was a witness to the world. The ark. You know, we can see, Noah, that you're serious. You, you might be out of your mind, but we can see that you mean what you say because you have invested your life in this thing. And if we have faith to work, people are going to see that there's reality. It'll be a witness. Because here's what, in James it tells us that faith without works is dead. If we really believe, if we come to the Lord, you must believe that he is, it tells us in Hebrews 11. If we come to the Lord, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We see that. We see that kind of faith in Noah. And it's important that the world sees that kind of faith in us. He prepared an ark. God has you uh, doing something. He has a ministry. If you haven't figured that out yet, God has a ministry for you. He has a purpose for you being here. And uh, faith. It's just trusting the Lord and, and being involved in his kingdom. And remember, Jesus also told us in Luke's gospel that we're to occupy till he comes. And until the Lord comes, uh, we're not to be in a cave somewhere, a monastery. Or I remember a couple of years ago, they, they were locking us down. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm from California, so we have more of an East Berlin kind of a government over there. <laughs> so yeah, they were coming after, you know. You, but, uh, you know, we defy the government anyway. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things. But uh, we're going to have to do the same thing as God's people. There might be other things that come up. Where they say, look at no more Bibles, you can't. And you know what? We we are subservient. We are to be obedient. We have a higher calling. And um, remember a long time ago, the Hebrew National commercial, that's that's a, a kosher. We have a higher authority to answer to. <laughs> that was a commercial for the, the Hebrew National. The, the Jews, hey, we had a higher authority. We have a higher authority to answer to. Anyway, we're getting off the subject here. But we, we are to occupy and then we also see that Noah had a faith to wait. Now we're going to look at this passage in 8-6 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 8, if you're not there yet. 8 verse 6. Faith to wait. Man, I hate to wait. I hate to wait. Stoplights. Traffic. Lines in a restaurant. You know, and, and they're just waiting on the Lord to come through so often it's just, you know, for Noah, remember, God speaks to Noah, get in the ark, way back in chapter 7, verse 1. It's approximately, well, it's over a year. Some say 371 to 377 days before God speaks to Noah. We'll get that get to that in just a moment. But Noah had faith to wait. And not just, well, let's read the verse, and then I will come. 8-6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Came to pass 40 days. Now, so often people have this idea that Noah was only in the ark for 40 days, 40 nights. But in reality, that, that's included in the number. But if you do the math, once again, between 371 days 
377 days. And really, no, those 377 days without approximately, you know, before he hears the Lord again. But here he is, he's waiting. That's a long time. You know, and especially when you consider that is just a floating zoo. And I can't imagine, you know, with all those animals at first, that you find like you can pet and tigers, and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're right there, you know, with the, within a couple of feet. A rhinoceros, or all these different animals. Yeah, that's very exciting for you know a couple of days, but then after a while, I can imagine that would get old. And uh, but it tells us here, as Noah is waiting, we're going to see that he takes steps of faith. And the first step of faith he takes is that he opens a window. Yeah, it's kind of small, but he he does that. He opens a window, and it's important for us to remember that you know God does the impossible. But he desires for you and I to take steps of faith and to do what we can do. And that's the part of occupying until he comes. You know, and I tell people in my congregation, I always tell them, look, God will do miraculous things for you. He'll do what only he can do, but he's not going to mow your front lawn. He's not going to brush your teeth. Those are things you can do for yourself. And God's given you, you know, an arm, hands, you know, get a toothbrush provided. He's, you know, he's given you two legs to use. So, you know, God expects us to take those steps of faith. And we see, with Noah, we see him, here's his first step of faith. He opened the window. God might be calling you to take a step of faith and to open a window or to knock on a door. Maybe you're looking for a job. And you're thinking, well, best thing for me to do is to pray on my couch and to, you know, to, to watch football and to, you know, become an expert and, to, you know, memorize the lineup for the Atlanta Braves. No, here's the deal. God, he wants us to be those, as remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 17. No, it's Matthew 7. Sorry about that. Ask, it will be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, just like open that door. Knock, knock, and it will be opened to you. So this is the thing. See, we can do those things. There's certain things. So, no, hey, what can I do, Lord? What you, hey, I got it. I can open that window. He does that. Very small step of faith, but... You know, you're looking. God wants you to maybe fill out some applications, knock on some doors, make some phone calls, do what you can do in context with whatever your situation may be. Then he, you know, we see with Noah also, verse seven, he takes another step of faith, and he sent forth a raven, which went. He, this, this raven is released and went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. In other words, he doesn't return. Raven, he releases. Well, now let's see, what else can I do? And, and Noah, he's smart, very intelligent. He's been uh, around for hundreds of years. So he knows some things about nature. He knows, hey, ravens, you know, I, I know how they work, work. I know how they operate. And I can use that kind of as a carrier pigeon. Or he sends out the raven, but the raven doesn't come back. Doesn't come back because look for that raven. He is an omnivore, but he's also a carrion, which means uh, carrion they eat decaying flesh. So when the raven is released, man, he's got all over, you know, this flotilla of rotting carcasses everywhere. So it's like fast food restaurants everywhere for that raven. He doesn't come back because he's got all kinds of stuff to land on, and he's got, you know, Chick-fil-A, he's got Burger King, he's got, you know, pulled pork, so to speak. He's got all those, you know, fast food things going for him. He can go wherever he wants. 
So the raven doesn't come back. It's got all kinds of flesh to indulge in. And the raven and his diet reminds me of the flesh that we have. You know, our flesh, it wants, it, it, all that is connected with the flesh, my, it wants the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It wants to indulge in those things. And I have to yield to the spirit so that I don't go in that direction. Like we all have the same rotting flesh. <laughs> it's still with us, the old man. But God's given us a new nature. And we're to be in compliance. We're to be in compliance. We're to be led of the new nature, led of the spirit. But this raven, you see, it goes to and fro. There's no satisfaction. There's no contentment. And that's the way it is in the flesh. It just has to be one thing after another, one area of the flesh. One thing just decrepit and decaying, but oh, I gotta get to the next thing. I gotta do this. And there's there's no rest. Doesn't come back. And then we see, once again, Noah here. Another step of faith. Hey, that raven didn't work out. Hey, don't, don't give up. Try again, man. It, for, for you guys, God's people. Sometimes we pray once. I didn't work. I quit. Why? Why quit? Keep praying. If God's put something on your heart, keep praying for it. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a place that you're praying for. Maybe a nation, a country, whatever. Maybe God's leading you in the, in the mission field or whatever. Maybe you're praying. You find, man, this is really... Or maybe God just has that person, that missionary, for you to pray for. Look, Keep praying. Don't give up. Pray for that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. Hang in there. Keep praying. You see that with Noah. There's, there's a great consistency. So he doesn't give up with the raven. He goes, I'll just send out a dove. Verse 8. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. He sends it out. Doves are different. Doves, Leviticus, you see that raven is an unclean bird. Not to eat, can't eat those things. Uh, but doves are different. They're clean animals. And the dove is sent forth. A dove has a different dietary code, so to speak. Very discretionary. And Noah sends that dove out, it tells us. And uh, the dove tells us, we're saying, but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark. And just as from a spiritual standpoint, the dove, the dove is a symbol. Remember the spirit came down upon Christ in the form of a dove? And I, I think of the, the spirit of God and the uh, new nature that we have as God's people. It, 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 it's not sad. It doesn't want anything. It doesn't want the filth of the flesh. It, it doesn't want to partake of the things uh, of this world and, and the, the rotting garbage that the, the world is so uh, absurd, just completely obsessed with. It, it, the spirit doesn't, it's not into that. Different diet for you and I as God's people. And with this dove, the dove comes back because the dove does not eat roadkill. Dove's not going to, he's not going to be munching on uh, flood kill either. So seven days later, notice this in verse 10, and he stayed yet other seven days and again sent forth the dove out of the ark. We see, look at waiting, waiting, sends it, and seven days later, sends out a dove. And the dove came to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And for Noah, this was this was a great source of encouragement. Oh, what do you mean? A little leaf? A little olive leaf? Well, look, Noah knew. He realized this, this means a lot more to me. I, I get what God's doing. And the Lord, even though it's something little, 
it had a, a great effect where, you know, hey, yes, Lori, I get, you're doing something. This changed the whole complexion of what was taking place. Lord, there's, there's land out there somewhere. There's, it, this morning, maybe you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and maybe it's been, you know, a year, a couple of years, and you feel like, man, Lord, I feel like I, I, need, I, I need help. I need a, a word of encouragement. God is so faithful. He's faithful to bring that olive leaf, something that would be meaningless to someone else, but to you, it might be just a word that is shared in Bible study or a word shared in a text from a friend, a brother, sister in Christ. It might be, you know, you're just singing a worship song maybe this morning, and since the Lord is speaking, he's confirming something to your heart. God, he, he's always seeking. He knows that, that we have problems as far as our faith. We're just doubting. And he is always concerned with us. And he, he is very sensitive to our needs. We, we have not, Hebrews tells us, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with, with the feelings of our infirmities. He, he knows that we, we, just, we have problems as people. We're problematic and we doubt. So God, he's encouraging with this little olive leaf. And maybe this morning, God, God's given you a, something, something small, but you realize, hey, this is God speaking to me. Claim it. Hold on to it. Be encouraged. Remember with Gideon, it's kind of the same thing. Gideon, he wanted, he, he wanted not only he wanted confirmation. God had called Gideon to be the leader of the Jewish people. To be that a great deliverer. And when God first comes to him, you didn't go, you know, that that's just not I my family, we're the least as far as tribes in Israel, we're the least tribe. And as far as I'm concerned, my family, we're on the bottom rung of the social ladder. So you can't be talking. You're talking to me? Really? And so Gideon, at this point, you see, he want comp you want me to be a military leader? Uh, Lord, I need some confirmation. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to clear out a fleece. You've heard the story of the fleece. Um, but this was for confirmation. He's asking a fleece for leading or, uh, God, you lead me by this. Some people... Christians just are always putting out fleeces, and you know, at some point, I think we're tempting God and we're being disobedient with our fleeces. But you see, He's just asking for confirmation. Lord, and here's the deal: I'm going to take my fleece, which is basically an animal skin, an animal fur, and I'm going to put it out my front lawn. And tomorrow, this is if you're if you're if you're confirming this, then I want the fleece to be dry and the lawn wet, completely soaked. He goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning, ta-da! The fleece is dry, the lawn is completely soaked. And just like you and me, or at least like me, going, man, that's that's that might be just a coincidence. I need some more, I need more than this, Lord. I, I just need, I, I'm sorry, but I just need more. And so get you to learn. Uh, let's do this again, but this time I, I'm flipping the process. In the morning, I want the fleece to be soaking wet and the land all around it to be totally dry. He goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning. The land's totally dry, and he's able to pick up the fleece. It's soaking wet so much so that he tells us he wrings it out in a bowl of water. So he gets, okay, all right, Lord, uh, you've done it. You know, I, I get it now. And there was, look, just like with Noah, just like with Gideon, God, he sees. He sees. He knows where we're at. He knows that you're not, there's no super, there's not one of us. There's nobody on planet Earth that's a super. 
these guys are great men of faith, and, and yet they weren't super saints either. They were completely dependent on God. God wants it that way. In James it tells us, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. That means he's not going to make fun of you. So he already asked me that. We already did this fleece thing. I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. I mean, it's, you know, you got to figure it out on your own. No, God, he realizes, he understands, he gets it. In verse 12 it tells us, And he stayed yet other seven days. So look at it. This guy's an expert at waiting, right? And sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. So he sends out a dove. This is uh, this is the, the you know this is the last time, the third time, and this time the dove doesn't come back. It's seven days later. The dove doesn't return, and you see at that point, Noah realizes, land ho, it's land ho, and it's it's it's, it's, it's the whole planet's prepared. That dove's not coming back. This is, once again, confirmation to me. And it reminds me also of a, another situation like this. The Bible tells us regarding Elijah that uh, Elijah, even though he was a great man of faith, tells Elijah was a man of like passions in James. Elijah was a man of like passions. He had the same feelings, same emotions, same problems as we do. Like passions as we do, yet he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prays again and it rains. So why was he Elijah Elijah on Mount Carmel? You know the story. First Kings chapter 17. And uh, in First Kings 17, there's that great contest on Mount Carmel between the false prophets of Baal, Baal, 450 of them. Elijah, one prophet of God, all by himself. Don't need any help. <laughs> Just hey, it's me and God against the world, kind of a thing. And he says, he has the contest. He, you know, God answers, destroys the altar, burns up the altar in the sacrifice by fire. He answers by fire the whole. Gently, from a standpoint of the the, the, the public, the general, you know, the citizenry of Israel, God, He's God. He's got the answer by fire. And so, at that point, he tells Ahab the king. He says, "Listen, uh, it's going to rain. You guys, rejoice! It's going to rain." And then Elijah prays. And prior to that, now remember, here comes Elijah. This is three and a half years prior to this. Here comes Elijah. Uh, the king is there. To imagine them in his palace, his court, his administration. You know, they got all the robes and stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, here comes this wild man out of nowhere, Elijah. And he, he just has one short statement. It's not going to rain until I say so. And then he leaves. And can you imagine? Uh, those leaders, those governmental leaders, along with the king, you know, who is this guy? Who is this uh, guy that dresses like the Flintstones? You know, is this wild man? Uh, that's that's how it, well they found out because it didn't rain for a year, for two years. Who was that guy? Three years. Oh, that's that Elijah guy. That's that prophet. So now you see King Ahab is there, and Elijah says, "Remember me? It's going to rain today." Told you, I told you until I say so, it's not going to rain. Today's the day. And then immediately Elijah begins to pray, Oh Lord, uh, hey, you remember, I, I'm your prophet, and today's it. And, and God, uh, I, need, I need rain. I need. I already told Ahab it's going to rain, man. You know, my neck's on the line. And so he sends out his servant, and he goes, Okay, I'm going to be praying. You go out there, check the weather. I, I need a, a weather forecast here. See if there's any rain coming. And, you know, I can imagine this servant of Elijah. 
you know, in my own mind, this is the way I, I, I feel. Kind of, as he goes out, he checks it. Hey, it, it, there's none of it. It's clear blue sky, clear blue sky. He comes back to Elijah. Elijah, man, it's beautiful, beautiful day. There's not a chance of rain. Man. There's nothing out there. Go again. So he comes back second time and says, um, Elijah, same forecast. Well, check again. He checks again. Comes back to Elijah. Nope. Go again. Comes back negatory. No dice. Go again. Fifth time. Hey, not happening. Not a, no rain. Hey, check again the sixth time. Like you imagine the sixth time, maybe the, this guy's going, uh, I think uh, he's lost it. You know, uh, that prophecy thing that he had going for him, that, that's out the window. He's, 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 that's worn off. He, he's, uh, this isn't working. This, he said it was going to rain. Been there six times. Uh, sorry, um, no. No, 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 no clock. Just go again. So he goes again. This time, he comes back and says, you know what? There's, there's a change in the forecast. There's a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. So he's eventually saying, well, that, that's about the size of a man. That, that's not a very big cloud. He tells Elijah, and Elijah, that's it, man. Like, hey, it's going to start pouring. He tells Ahab, you better get off this mountain because you, know, you got a chariot. Your wheels are going to get stuck in the, in the mud. You better get down because it's going to start. And sure enough. It pours. After three and a half years, the word of Elijah, it pours, it pours down rain. And look, you know, just like that little hand, just like that olive leaf, I want to encourage you this morning, look, uh, God, he knows, he understands, he sees that you're, you're, you're kind of running out of steam, you need you need a word from him. He's always faithful to do that, isn't he? But you look, you have to do the seeking, you need to do the, you know, asking, seeking, knocking, the word ask, ask, seek, knock, that's our part. And, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's always, you know, when God speaks to us, when God comes through, or you say, you go, wow, that was the Lord speaking to me. But he wants us to use faith. He wants us to trust him. Look to him in faith, wait on him, and he comes. He always comes through. So with that, Elijah is a little tiny cloud, but God, he greatly encouraging God. He, he brings forth the, the downpour. Now, in verse 14 we read, <clears throat> And in the second month, on the seventh, uh, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. So we, we see here that Noah had faith, but it was also it was a simple faith. It was just, hey, God said something to me, I'm just gonna do it. It doesn't, might not make sense, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so often that's the way it is. God says something to us. He wants us to obey. It seems like, oh, this is just the opposite of what seems to be true or what I, my feelings tell me. But Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to trust you. And just simple faith. He had faith to simply obey. Just to do what God said. In chapter 7, verse 1, God said, come. Hey, Noah, you get your family, come into the ark. Here he's saying, Noah, get your family and go out. And for us as God's people, we got, like right now what we're doing, we're, we're coming in as his people. We come in, we come into his presence together. We receive, and it's different than it is as individuals. God's with us as individuals, ministers to us as individuals. But when we assemble, Hebrews 
Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. When we assemble, see, there's different. It's just like, remember the old Power Rangers? You get the, the, all of those Rangers together, and they, they're assembled, right? You, can't, you have to have all of them together, and then you got the Megazord. Uh, that's kind of lame in this illustration. But, you know, they all come together, you know, uh, morphin' time. You know, remember that? Well, but that's how it is when we come together. If it's just one ranger, you're a lone ranger, that don't work. We've got to assemble together. It's different. God, there, there's an assembly process, and there's a connection, and, and there's the, the operation of the gifts that take place that it doesn't happen by yourself. It just, it just doesn't. So he, we come together, we spend time in his presence, we receive from him, we fellowship, and then we go out. We spend time in his presence, and just say, hey, now it's time to go out. We go out to a hurting world. We go out to a world that is dark. We're to be that salt and light in those areas of darkness. In verse 20, as we continue here, we see that Noah had faith to worship. Verse 20. And Noah builded an altar. This is the first time in the Bible where the word altar is mentioned, by the way. An altar unto the Lord. And took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offering on the Lord. We see previously there was more than two by two. We had groups of seven also. And that's the reason why. Because there would be sacrifices. And uh, here's, here's Noah. God knows. You know, Noah is going to give to God what God has already given to him. And that's true of all of us. We give to God in any way. We, we were just giving back to God what he's already given to us. And we're to be, we're to be faithful, faithful in that area in, in, in every sense. And our finance, as far as just in our giftings and our time and in our, our daily lives, where there is that, you know, as we see here, there's an altered life where, hey, there's a higher priority. And worship alters us. Noah built an altar to worship. And this is the first thing he does. He gets off the ark. The, 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 the very first thing he does, he worships. He gives thanks. The very first thing. He, he wasn't looking to see, uh, well, uh, the real estate market. Man, I, can, I can get a lot of this stuff. This is, it, it, it's free. Now this, he wasn't looking to invest in gold or getting involved in all kinds of things. He's like, hey, man, we're going to worship. And we're, we're going to honor the Lord. And so Noah, he gives thanks. He's, he's worshiping the Lord. And this is something that is not a part of our human nature. It's human nature to forget. Noah remembers God. Remember earlier, it tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, that God remembered Noah. Not that he forgot Noah. Hey, that, where's that little guy bobbing around? I forgot him. No, it, it's God. He's continually remembering Noah. But... We also see that Noah remembered God, and hey, I gotta give thanks. Um, regardless of the cost, we gotta give thanks. We got a, a whole new world here, whole new planet, man. It's all cleaned up. That, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And uh, we're we're gonna have it better than that. But Noah gives spiritually. Noah gives thanks, and uh, we see that and the importance of that also in Luke chapter seventeen. Uh, remember the ten lepers. The ten lepers. You got a death sentence. You're, you're among the living dead if you're a leper. And uh, they're all just kind of, uh, no hope, but they come to Jesus. Every one of them's healed. They all take off. One of them comes back. And Jesus said, you know, only one of these come back? And, and, you know, I know there's times in my life where I'm praying, I'm interceding, and then God answers. And it's like, oh, then I just go to the next thing. Thanks, God, now I can forget about that. Well, you know, what about worshiping me? What about giving thanks? I was just spending time 
uh, you know, honoring me and looking and just, because that, 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 that really has a way of solidifying. When we give thanks, yes, Lord, you did this. You, you came through. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this kind of like an Ebenezer stone. Hey, this is something you've done for me. I want to remember this. I want to honor you with this, just giving you the time and uh, giving you thanks as your child and recognizing, hey, yeah, you came through. God appreciates the, you know, the fact that we give thanks. He wants us to. Now, think of this also. You've got a whole new world. There's no, there's no animals on, on the planet, except for you know, you've got that dove flight that's flying around. So there's no animals. You know, you've got fish in the sea, right? But um, here's Noah. He gets off the ark, and immediately he's sacrificing. He's sacrificing all these different animals. And from a human standpoint, I can imagine, you know, maybe some of his sons or maybe his daughter-in-laws, you know, thinking, ah, uh, yeah, Noah, that just that just seems like the, the wrong direction to go. We've got a limited supply. We've got a limited resource. And, you know, there, there's... Great scarcity. Have you noticed, Noah, that we don't got a lot going here? You know, there, there, there's no Publix or, you know, there, there's um, there's no Costco or uh, Sam's Club around here. And uh, you're, you're, you're burning up the resources. You're sacrificing animals. That's exactly what we need. We need them to repopulate, man. We need stuff to eat. Go ahead. Look at the highest priority for us as human beings is to bring pleasure to God. Revelation says... They, we, as far as we were created, and for thy pleasure, they are and were created. So we were created to give God pleasure. We see this same kind of thinking uh, in John chapter twelve. Remember, uh, you know, as far as hey, uh, this could be. This would be better to use this for something else. Remember in John chapter 12, when Mary had taken a pound of perfume, very costly perfume, and she offered it in the form that she she poured it out on the feet of Christ, a pound, you know, whatever, Chanel, whatever it is, or whatever perfume, I don't know what it is nowadays, but beyond this, but they're just expensive perfume, a whole thing. And uh, remember Judas, hey, this is his mind, his heart. That's just a waste. And that could have been sold for 300 pence. And, uh, it, it, you know, this could have been used for the poor. And then it's important to note that Judas was rebuked. Mary anoints her, his feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and the fragrance covered the room. Just as when we worship the Lord, there's a spiritual fragrance, isn't there? And we see that with the sacrifice. And Jesus rebukes Judas and it's, it's a warning to us because sometimes we can think, you know, the people say, oh, wait, you give 10% of your income to the to the Lord? That's just a, such a waste. You could be investing it. Maybe you have non-believing relatives or parents or they're, they're telling you, hey, you shouldn't do that. And I've heard of that taking place. Look, there's a, there's a, I'm honoring the Lord with, with, with what he's given me already. And that's the highest priority. And all of us, any of us can take place in our, should, or should be taking place in that ministry where, where either we're, we're giving to the Lord, where uh, we're, we're pouring out of that which he has given to us. And then in verse 21, we see the Lord's response to this. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Sweet savor, the sweet smell, the sweet aroma that the Lord is able to, you know, in his nostrils, he, it is something that pleased the Lord. 
Now, uh, in my neighborhood, there's an individual that barbecues. This is not a normal barbecue. Uh, if you've ever smelled a tri-tip or uh, a hunk of meat that has been marinated in teriyaki sauce for 24 hours, it's a different ballgame. It's a game changer. And when he does that, I can tell, just that teri marinated teriyaki meat, man, it's just unbelievable. And it's a sweet, savor, very pleasant. Meal. And I don't care how, you know, you might have just had a, you might be stuffed. You smell that, you go, I'm ready for recreational eating at this point. <laughs> I, I don't care. That, that, that smells so good. Uh, and to the Lord, you see, he smells this and, wow, this, this is just, this is, and when we, Look, giving the Lord in any way, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our time, a sacrifice of our money, sacrifice of whatever whatever we're doing. It's it's a sacrifice. It's it's a giving of ourselves, and it's pleasing to the Lord when it's done in the from a standpoint of motivation from a heart of love. He says, "I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done." So. As he has done in the, sense, in the past, what he's done previously, judgment came in the form of a global flood. In the he's not going to do that future. In the future, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, he's going to melt the element. The, mel the elements will melt with fervent heat. It's going to be a judgment of fire. But uh, judgment is coming nonetheless. It just won't be the same kind of judgment. Now, something I got just enough time to share this with you. It's uh, Notice in the fourth verse of chapter 8, it's a, it's a little bit, well, you'll see. Really quickly, though. Take two minutes. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, end. But notice what he says there. A little bit of a change of subject. Not a change of subject, but a little bit uh, a different uh, line of thinking here. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. So the ark it rests on the mountains. Some people say it's just above the Ahura Gorge at uh, 15,500 feet exactly. Uh, but anyways... Besides that, regardless of that idea or that fact, um, the ark is resting there. And here's the deal. The writer of Genesis is who? Moses. The writer of Exodus is Moses. First five books of the Bible. Moses, in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 12, God changes the calendar. Here's the calendar with the ark. But God changes the calendar. The seventh month, the 17th day of the month becomes in Exodus chapter 12. The civil calendar we have here is changed to a religious calendar. And the seventh month becomes the first month, which to the Jews is Nisan, like the automobile. Nisan. I mean, just got one S though. And, but Nisan, the first day of the month for the Jews now. So Nisan, the first day of the month, the first month of the year for the Jews, on the 14th day of Nisan is Passover. Passover is, as you know, it's the yearly commemoration, the Passover, where children of Israel and Egyptian bondage, they're released from slavery, and they had the Passover meal where they, you know, they slaughtered the lamb, and the blood was taken, put on the doorposts and lintels of the headers of the house, and uh, so that the blood on the house, if you had blood on your house, then the Plague of death, the angel of death passed over, Passover, passed over your house. The perfect Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13. But here's the deal. So, with the calendar, 
Passover is on the first month, 14th day of the month, every year. Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb is a symbol. It speaks of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was literally sacrificed on Nisan, the first month to the Jews, and it was on the 14th day of that month. Three days later, the 17th, what happened? Resurrection. The very, the exact same day that the ark rested on Mount Ararat. Same day. For Noah, you see, for that ark to rest on Mount, for that to be the day, that was, hey, we have a brand new world as a result. You know, I, I, I've been rescuing God. This, it, we have a brand new world for you and I as God's people. You see, our faith rests on the finished work of Jesus Christ. The proof of the finished work of Jesus Christ is the resurrection. Because the resurrection proves that his sacrifice was accepted before God. He was resurrected, taken to the Father. And so, for you and I as God's people, like Noah, see, he has a brand new life, a brand new world. For you and I, when we came to Christ, we had a brand new life. Old things were passed away, 2 Corinthians 10. Old, 2 Corinthians 5. Yeah, I think so. This is 2 Corinthians. You can check it out. 2 Corinthians 5, I think. Old things. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. We have a brand new life. All connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for Noah, you see, last day's believer, he's waiting for the he's waiting for the judgment. He's waiting for the Lord to deliver him. We're doing the same thing. We're waiting for the Lord's deliverance. And until then, you see, we can use Noah as a template that we might navigate this life and be faithful believers, effective believers, that we might bring glory to God as a result. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, and Lord, for your salvation that is in Christ. And we, we rest in that finished work, Lord. And we thank you, God, for your word and just the encouragement that comes. We just, this man, Noah, there's so much we can glean from his life, Lord. May we be men and women of faith in these days of extreme darkness and unfaithfulness. And as, as we're watching, as your church, as your word says, that in the last days many shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Lord, we're seeing that. And in the midst of all that, Lord, may we be faithful as your people. To your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.